Hey, do you teach yoga? Have you ever trained to lead yoga classes to be a yoga therapist? Have you ever owned a yoga studio? Maybe even just wondered what it was like for the women and men up there in front of the room on their mats, leading you through endless Surya Namaskars, down dogs, and pranayamas galore? Well, these are their stories and mine. I'm Rebecca Sebastian, a 20-year yoga teacher, 10-year yoga therapist, yoga studio owner, and co-founder of a yoga-focused nonprofit. I've done a lot in the yoga world over the last 20 years, pretty much everything except had a water cooler. You know, a place to share stories, talk about struggles, successes, and find other people who do the same thing that I do. Welcome to Working in Yoga, a podcast and substitute water cooler for yoga folks to connect and build community, to share our unique profession, our challenges, and our journeys with the world. yoga friends. Welcome to Working in Yoga. This week on the podcast, I'm welcoming my friend, Sherry Dostal-Reba. Sherry and I are talking about one of my favorite things about being a yoga pro, which is how we can embody our living principles and how we as business owners can control our schedules, content, and how we work while also being incredibly attuned to our own yoga practice. This is an ever-changing and ongoing process. We as yoga pros are often really creative people and love to build new products and meaningful things that are going to help our students and clients. But I often see these same wildly creative yoga pros tell themselves that things are not quote unquote aligned when really what things are is just uncomfortable. Being a business owner is uncomfortable. And what is really needed is for us to show up for ourselves and our businesses every single day, even on the boring days and the hard ones. Good things are sometimes hard and you are worth doing hard things. Sherry and I get to have a whole conversation around this and use yoga language when talking about our businesses. That's something that I often feel is really missing in the business conversations in our yoga space. Where is the yoga? Well, Sherry and I attempt to unpack a bit of that. In the meantime, I would love it if you would go ahead and subscribe to the podcast wherever you are listening. Also, if you love the content, I would be very grateful for a review. And this week's episode is sponsored by Sunlight Streams, an online self-care studio here to support your own self-care journey right from your pocket. Grab 25% off Sunlight's virtual self-care retreat, July 28th through the 30th, using the code WIYpodcast. The retreat is movement, panel discussions, yoga nidra, mocktail making with me, creative art classes, and so much more. Learn more about Sunlight's self-care system at www.thesunlightexperience.com backslash online. Now, let's go ahead and get into our conversation with Sherry Dostal-Reba. Welcome, friends, to Working in Yoga. I have another amazing guest with me today. I am so lucky to have the best guest on this podcast. I just love it. So this is my friend, Sherry Dostal-Riva. And Sherry and I are both yoga therapists. We met in person at SITAR, the conference for yoga therapists, last summer in Chicago. And Sherry is a published author of the book, Pelvic Yoga Therapy for the Whole Woman, 
and she's the founding director and lead faculty of Alchemy Yoga Therapy accredited accredited program. Really, that's like super cool. Okay, Sherry, tell us about you. <laughs> Thank you. That's so cool. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here. Uh, and as I mentioned, I've been hanging out with you and Shannon Crow this morning, <laughs> listening to your episode about why you didn't quit yoga in 2022, and just really appreciate the transparency that you shared about like what it's like being in yoga for this long. Um, I'm I'm there with you, like just just a handful of years behind you. <laughs> Um, in longevity or age or whatever. Um, and yeah, it's, it's important work that we're doing. And I, I keep coming back around season after season, year after year as well. Okay. So tell us what primarily you do within the yoga space. Yeah. Um, this year has been a big year of changes. Um, so as you mentioned, I have been teaching like really actively teaching in an accredited CIAYT training program. Um, we're based in Orange County, California, but with the pandemic, like many schools, we went totally virtual as an online option. Um, and that was like a saving grace, you know, it allowed our cohorts to reach people all across the U.S. Um, in different time zones and things to, to be able to offer it online. So it's been a whirlwind uh, seven years in that role, um, building a whole school, an entire curriculum from the ground up. Um, I love working with our team uh, over these past years. There's a handful of us at the helm of you know, co-directors. Um, and I, I recently actually decided to step away from that role. <laughs> So it's been like my bread and butter, my passion, uh, a huge um, outpouring of my love, my knowledge, my service to, you know, be in that role of taking people from yoga teacher to yoga therapist or teaching groups to teaching one-on-one. And I know that, you know, like many of us, we, as you mentioned in the podcast with Shannon, we think that the next training is, is going to do it. Or yeah. if we just know more then we'll be good at our job or whatever it might be. Um, and so it's, it's come at a time for me where it's been so meaningful and so fulfilling to be in that role. I love it. I want the school to continue and succeed, you know, way beyond me. Um, and yet also it's for various reasons, just become clear that it's okay for me to step away um, and focus on some other cool things that I'm up to. So there's just been a real shift in the way that I do business. Um, I kind of feel now like seated in myself at 40, (laughs) having been self-employed for like 15 years. Um, This is, you know, movement and fitness and uh, self-study has been my personal interest and my vocation, like my entire career, yoga specifically since 2007, um, when I first started teaching in a hospital, um, there was a local teacher who was relocating, looked for someone else to take over the class. Um, and so it was an internal, uh, yoga class for admin physicians, nurses, staff, um, was my first job ever teaching yoga. Um, many years ago. (laughs) So I feel like, you know, entrepreneurially, I ended up um, kind of on accident, ending up 
self-employed after an unexpected termination from a fitness center job where I was a manager, very happily not in supervisory <laughs> roles anymore. Um, I, I love working with colleagues in collaboration. Um, I think management or studio management, like that's a whole other beast that I'm happy to not take on. Um, Can confirm. Yes. <laughs> So yeah, so I, I love the teaching. I love the teaching, the facilitating, the growth, the transformation, the joy of the teacher-student relationship. Um, and so I'm glad that I've been able to make that impact and also really excited for that foundation, uh, that platform and, and networking and rapport that that role has given me for those seven years to be able to feel like, okay, I can launch into the next phase of my business or my entrepreneurship. Yeah. Like, okay. So you said something that I think so many people in the yoga space can relate to. I love the teaching. Like that's why we all got here. Right. I mean, I sort of accidentally got here by, by force. A friend of mine was like, you need to teach this class. I really need <laughs> you to do that. <laughs> but the reason why I stay is like, our job's really rad. Like we get to connect with people and we get to help them. Like, see themselves in a deeper way like that's so cool but then there's that mm -hmm. business side of it like we're teachers but also mm -hmm. primarily most of us whether you're a yoga therapist or yoga teacher unless you're working full-time at a space like mine and i don't have full-time staff um you're an entrepreneur too this is your business like i want to talk to you a little bit about this idea of like embodied entrepreneurship women specifically that we are overarchingly women in this industry we just need to say that there's more women mm -hmm. than mm -hmm. anybody else um i think this is a struggle for us uh, do you find that too hmm. definitely. <laughs> yeah. definitely yeah so uh for me like this this word embodied or embodiment i think is one of several trends or buzzwords yeah right now. Um, so it feels important to just land like, what is it that I'm actually talking yeah. about? Um, so for me, embodied entrepreneur entrepreneurship, I mean, the responsibility and integrity of, you know, like practicing what we preach, so to speak, having a personal practice, taking good care of ourselves out of like roots of compassion and self-love versus diet culture or self-criticism or, you know, shame or whatever other drivers that people might find bring them to the practice or whatever the pain or discomfort might be their suffering that might bring them to the practice. It's a good and valid reason. We want to feel good. We want to feel better. And so we keep practicing. Um, and yet to take up the role of a teacher carries more weight to it, right? Like there's an authority, there's a leadership that comes with being a teacher of anything, uh, let alone a somatic or embodied practice that happens also to be a spiritual practice with ethics wrapped up in it. Um, so there's that responsibility of like, how do we live? How do we nourish and sustain ourselves um, through both yoga and other pursuits in life beyond yoga, <laughs> like yes. listening to you, I was out walking the neighborhood in the sunlight, getting aerobic exercise, right? Like there needs to yeah. be other things, um, to sustain us besides just 
time on the mat or meditation or asana. Um, so I want to name that. Yes, yes, um, yes, yes, yes. A thousand times. So there's yes. like, you know, the <laughs> transmission of my teaching. I feel strongly that that comes from the integrity of not the perfection, but the integrity and devotional commitment as a student myself. And that ongoing unpacking of all that comes from yoga and that comes from entrepreneurship, like you <laughs> talk about on this podcast. Yeah. Um, so self-care is one piece. Embodied entrepreneurship for me is really over the last few years of becoming a mom has like, you know, blown open a lot of my own unlearning and unpacking um, as well as what's happening in the world around us um, and how we are now seeing and talking about the challenges in our society and what do we want to do about it and how do we move forward beyond what was or what hasn't worked as well into something that can be better for everyone. Um, So personally, um, with my book coming out last year, there was this liminal space of like, it's out of my hands, it's going to print, and yet it's not in the world yet. Like there was about a three or four month span of time where I was like, really integrating what does it mean for my name to be on that book? And how did I come to be writing a book about pelvic health of all things? (laughs) Like I wouldn't have really suspected that, you know, like I have wanted to write books for probably 10, 12, 15 years, I I dream in like words, language, title, subtitle, organization, like I've known that a book or many books, hopefully, (laughs) are in me for this lifetime. But the integration of having the book come out in the world really made me look at my identity, my insecurities and confidence, like the Asmita Klesha, the whole range of that continuum of Uh, what Amy Wheeler identifies kind of as either an overinflated ego or an underinflated (laughs) ego. Like we can swing either direction and sometimes uh, both. So looking at identity, personality, money, um, earning, earning, spending, saving, all that's wrapped up in money, Uh, and being an entrepreneur, right? Like being able to trust the value that we're offering and the exchange that then comes with that, as well as then how do I steward that for myself, like within my record keeping and like just today I canceled it uh, with a friend (laughs) uh, where we're holding each other accountable to get our retirement stuff set up. Yeah. Right, so. Love that. So yeah, I mean, yes, go retirement fund. And I I love teaching so much that I've often heard myself say when I'm lecturing, I don't ever plan to retire. I want to be doing this in a sustainable way where I can teach till I die if that's what I want to do. Turning 40, I was like, okay, hang on. (laughs) Maybe I do actually want like some good funding behind myself so that I can slow down. I'm going to need a vacation sometimes. Yeah, and not have to, not be tied to it from that um, scarcity or like poverty pattern that we see in our industry and really steward what I have coming in, in a a stronger way. So I feel like that was very roundabout answer to your question, but we, we practice, it feels good. 
we want to help people. So we learn to teach many people um, are blindsided by that fact that you better get in, you know, entrepreneur, big panties or hat on. (laughs) Yeah. Figure out like how to steer your own ship, how how to steer your own life as an entrepreneur. I think within our industry, what you like, what I really love that I hear you saying is that I see people who choose one or the other. We're choosing either to teach and we are going to be that like wholehearted person who's going to teach at the sacrifice of ourselves. And I've said this a few times like out loud and I'm just going to say it to hold myself accountable on my podcast is that my theme for this year is no more self-sacrifice. I no longer make choices that take strips off my own skin to be in service of other people. And I feel like that's a huge cycle we have within our industry. Like, oh, I will just choose to not make money so that I can do this job that I say I love. Or conversely, I will choose only to do the business part of it and exploit the business in whatever way that I can because Mm -hmm. I don't want to be in that poverty or self-sacrifice cycle. And this, like, we've created a dichotomy I refuse to believe is true. I believe Mm -hmm. we can be both. We have to figure this out. Yes. (laughs) Figure this out. I applaud you for your self-accountable moment. (laughs) Like 2023, no more. No more. Um, And that the the embodied piece of that is figuring out like how how do we quote unquote listen to our body? Yeah. How do we actually use what we're gaining on the mat or from our practice? to become more real, more transparent, more human, more honest about what our needs are. And that we, when we make that loving connection, like that really deep embodied devotional, like I've got me no matter what, no more. It, it makes decision-making different. (laughs) It, it, it changes how we play the game of of the entrepreneurship when we know that our needs get to be met, um, when we can feel the difference between like self-doubt and self-criticism and like, oh, actually this feels scary because this is the exact thing I should be doing, right? So there's so much discomfort. I think that was when I was out walking today, one of the insights that came through that I'm happy is landing again in my brain. Um, is that it's not all feel good, right? Like we may come to yoga because it supports us and feels so good. We feel a tangible change in ourselves at the end of a practice. Um, But for the entrepreneurial side of it, I think we need to learn how to, uh, uh, you know, embrace the discomfort that comes with the growth required. Yeah. And to even see that as such a gift and to see that as a signpost that you're on the right path instead of it feeling, um, you know, overwhelming to our system or feeling risk averse or like imposter syndrome type stuff that comes up when I'm mentoring teachers. There's so much of that um, that we have to talk through as far as, you know, being able to clear the clutter and the chitta vrittis in our mind of like just the patterns of what the mind does, especially if we've had either long-standing patterns of belief, or maybe there is some trauma in our history that then is 
part of that puzzle that we have to unpack. Um, so I don't know, for me, for me, like the financial bits were like, whoo, like way more confronting for me than I maybe expected. Um, whereas like the creative process of entrepreneurship has always been my jam. Totally. The process Same. of like, cool. What if there was a workshop for this purpose and what would I bring in and what would I leave out and how do I refine that plan? And then also how do I respond spontaneously to the room, to the group that's with me in real time? Like that, that live facilitation component is like so juicy and so exciting for me. Yeah. Same, same, <laughs> um, same. So like creative process, I'm like, woo. And then last <laughs> year, like we bought a house, we moved back to Wisconsin we bought a house, um, for the first time for our family. And, um, this friend Molly that I was going to meet with today to like, how's your retirement stuff going? Yeah, I did my task. How's yours? Um, I did a program with her last year called Prosper, uh, financial psychology, really looking at the money scripts that we've inherited and what our somatic responses are to taking financial action, you know, from a nervous system informed perspective. So it was super fruitful, really juicy, kind of intense. <laughs> um, it is. So, yeah. So that, that's been a big um, can of worms that needed to be reconciled with <laughs> for a while. Um, and I'm excited to see how that launches me into this next, you know, decade of life and next chapter of business. I don't know if you find this too, like, especially with the money side of things. And I sort of like, like what I do personally with people as a yoga therapist is we talk about care in all forms, like personal or self-care, but also financial care for me is an entire mm -hmm. wing of this whole like program, especially because I was never taught that. Now I was handed a whole lot of like family trauma history as far as money is concerned. So I did a lot of work on this early on. And the thing is, is that you just, you will always, if you're an entrepreneur, it will just hit you in the face again. Like you will have to unpack <laughs> <Yes>. it again <laughs> and again and again. Yeah. Like, I mean, I had an email from my banker the other day mm -hmm. and it wasn't even a bad email. And I was still mm -hmm. like, oh, there's shame. There it is mm -hmm. right there. Like you yeah. feel it in my chest. And this is just this thing that, I think especially the money part that's attached with our industry is something we will have to unpack day after day after day after mm -hmm. day. We've not chosen, I have not chosen to live in an ashram, nor have you, we have kids, like we're gonna raise yeah. our children. That means that this is part of our experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, we get to be supported and yes. compensated for what we're offering. Um, and it's, I think, you know, part of it for one, one aspect is like separating self-worth from monetary value, right? Like teasing, yes. that, <laughs> teasing that apart from a root chakras for perspective, right? That like, yes. I am secure within myself because I am. Yes. No so more telling people to charge what they're worth. Girl, you are priceless. Babe, there is it's no just amount separate. of money. It's just separate. Yeah. We are inherently good and worthy and valuable because we are alive. <laughs> yes. And the value exchange of like how we price a session or a package of sessions or a group program, um, I think takes 
me personally takes me a while because I'm still in that conditioning and unlearning some of that conditioning around yoga as service or yoga as a spiritual practice. And that somehow that has meant for lots of lineages, lots of generations that that, that means living simply and or in poverty, <laughs> right? That, that it is a self-sacrificing and I'm happy to be moving beyond that. <laughs> um, was really happy, like between Christmas and New Year's, I sat down and did all my books for 2022 and got ready to like, okay, find an accountant, yeah. get the taxes filed. With our relocation, things got like super messy. Yeah. <laughs> I'll yeah. just admit it, you know, like <laughs> many of my structures and systems kind of just went out the window, relocating a family of four across the yeah. country. Um, on top of that, then you mentioned familial trauma. Um, in summer of 2022, my parents had a falling out. My mom overdosed, attempted suicide. I was there to help her get treatment. Um, and when she was discharged, she didn't go home. And so at 69 years old, I'm seeing my mom get an apartment for the first time and live independently for the first yeah. time. And I'm like, you know, part of me is celebrating the fact yeah. that she is standing on her own two feet and making some decisions on her own behalf. Um, and that illuminated so many pieces of the puzzle for me then about money and about earning and about power dynamics within um, teams, companies, marriages, et cetera, right? And how we can sometimes default to, as women perhaps, or for myself personally, I found myself a little bit starting to default to my spouse. Like when we closed on the house, I wanted to be the one to do the wire transfer of the 25K. And like, I wanted yeah. that to be my action and it felt so good. And then we came into winter and we were all sick a lot and my finances were a mess from the move. Um, and then all this familial like sludge kind of came pouring out of the woodwork the second half of 2022. And I was like, whoa, this this is calling me to be more mature, more responsible, un undo, unlearn these patterns that money is bad, money equals conflict, money equals power or power over others, yeah. that exploitation. I saw it in my parents' marriage for, you know, as long as I can remember. Um, and I'm, I'm glad that Jason and I want to build something so different and we are building something so different for our household and for our kids. Um, and it just happens that I'm an entrepreneur in that, <laughs> right? That like, okay, yeah. he's the one with the job that has a specific set salary. Yeah. And it's, a, it's an awesome job. We get great perks. You know, we can ski, snowboard, use the ropes course. Like it's a really cool arrangement. Uh, and we're grateful to be here. And yet, if we want abundance, if we want more exponential growth, it falls on me in some ways as the entrepreneur in the marriage yeah. Yeah. to then say, okay, where's my ceiling? And why is that my ceiling? And how do I move through that? Not just a ceiling in terms of like annual income or revenue, but ceilings in terms of nervous system capacity, in terms of trusting the value of like 
shit, I've been doing this a long, long time. Yeah. Why am I charging the same amount that some of our fresh graduates are charging? Hold on, yeah. Sherry. And holding myself accountable to that, to, to raise myself yeah. to then um, have others be able to step through that door too, to, yeah. to step up a level. Um, yeah, I think that's an, an interesting point about like this idea of money and charging and things like that. Like, especially those of us who've done this job for a while, right? And I had this happen recently, like a Fortune 100 company pitched at me to do a six-week meditation workshop. Hmm. And I was like, I have no idea how much to charge that. And then immediately went back to this thinking of it was six weeks, 30 minutes a week for six weeks. I could teach that in my sleep. Like, like I've been doing this long enough that like the prep work behind that series mm -hmm. is so minimal, right? Compared mm -hmm. to what it would have been 10 years ago or 15 years ago. And I went straight into that thinking of like, oh, it's no big deal, whatever, a couple hundred bucks. And then my business coach held me accountable and was like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah, <laughs> it is your 10, 15 plus years yeah, that has yeah. gotten you to this place where it's like, cool, that I could teach that in my sleep. Beautiful. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Like they're getting a true professional, a true expert. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so funny. Like we equate, it is that time for dollars yes. kind of equation that is all in our brains and it comes from that like you know what you make in a 60 minute class and you show up and there's x number of people in that room and you're doing the math yeah and 60 minutes equals this amount of dollars instead of like lawyers aren't like well if i show up <laughs> it's easy for me to start a fight with somebody at the <laughs> it, like the courtroom so i won't charge you as much like <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Yeah. That, that differentiation of like the price according to the time, the time yes. bound element yeah. of it is something I'm teasing apart. Like you said, with my business coach right now, I'm about eight months into a nine month stint with this business coach. Um, and it's been amazing. So amazing for so many levels. Um, but what we're working on right now, one of a few things we're working on right now is my one-on-one -on -one services and figuring out, like, she's continually telling me, like, this is not time per hour. This is, this is no longer time per hour. This is value and transformation and all your years of learning and expertise and facilitation that then delivers a service that's transformational, Sherry. <laughs> like, Right. Do not ever say it's $99 again or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I listed something as like a bonus for a launch in an email and she's like on Boxer, like, don't ever say that again. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, having people, yeah, having people that call us on it and hold us yeah. to that new standard um, is helpful when our groove is like so well-worn in our own thinking uh, or in our sense of ourselves, our capacity. Um, it's good to have that support for sure. Um, so I'm excited to see what comes of that. <laughs> um, <laughs> me too. But she's helped me launch this new, uh, new structure for my business. So back in 2018, um, I went on a, a business leadership retreat, which ended up being like somatic breath work and spirituality and cultural immersion in, in Bali as well. Like it was so much more than what, you know, just a business workshop. Yeah. And I'm so glad that it was. 
Um, but I knew at that point in 2018, like there's something different. There's something new that is a long form group program. And I, I can't quite feel into what it was. So at the time I was doing embody your true center, which is, um, the, the pelvic health foundational pelvic health program that I ran in 2018, 19. And I just right away was like, this is cool. People are buying it. They're getting good results. And yet like, I'm already feeling the pull, the creative pull of the next iteration of it. Um, and seeing that how our lifestyle and all the other aspects of who we are as people impact our, of course, pelvic health so deeply (laughs) and that there needs to be that kind of whole person lifestyle approach, um, to then dive in and actually have the pelvic floor exercises or practices, you know, be able to take root, so to speak, be able to actually transform and be integrated and supported by the rhythm of how we live our day to day and how we see ourselves. Um, so it's taken many years. And I, I was like following the breadcrumbs as I was writing the book and getting a little bit closer to kind of like fleshing out the bones of this new program, which has now become Inhabit. It's called Inhabit. It's a nine month pilgrimage and group program for a small group. Um, and so we are about four months in um, with my first cohort for that group with Inhabit. And it's taken the support of this business coach <laughs> Yeah. To then like, okay, like we, we are staying with this until it is actually born until it is actually happening and flowing and, and, um, real. Yeah. Right. It's no longer just that seed or incubation in me. Um, but it exists, you know, I, I get to hold it or shape it and offer mm-hmm. it annually now. Um, so that along with the movement membership infuse feels like, okay, I have a structure now that feels right for who I am as a teacher and facilitator and woman. Um, it has a cyclical and rhythmic quality to it, which helps with the age of our kids. You know, I have a, I have a kindergartner and a three-year-old. So in about a year and a half, um, Megs will be in school as well. And then we'll have like another season unfolding where both of them are in school five days a week. Um, and you know, my, my winter is very different from my summer with Jason's job. He's full on from May through October. And so my programs will run in those alternate seasons. And then I drop back into more like family mode, gardening, being with the kids a lot more during the summer and my workload is lighter. So, and it's, yeah, it's taken me years to really take those principles and nuggets of what I teach, what I practice, what I believe in, like nature, menstrual cycle, embodied self-care, embodied entrepreneurship, and really actually feel now like I have a model for the first time (laughs) that like, Oh, like I can settle, I can settle into knowing that this is my model for years to come, rinse, repeat, refine, grow the mastery and the delivery of these two core programs. Um, and then my one-on-one, as I said, there's been more to unpack (laughs) there with like, like the time for money, you know, hourly exchange, um, and really looking at like the purpose, the goal behind the one-on-one service. 
your story is really great because I think sometimes we have this idea in our head and I feel like Instagram very clearly hands this idea to us as entrepreneurs that you either have it or you don't. And if you do that, like we said earlier, that next training, that one thing, it's, it's the, it is all just an iteration of that night on a shining white horse kind of scenario is if it comes to rescue you, then it will be fixed. If you only could figure out, you know, for for people in brick and mortars, the cycle is always, if I can only just make 2000 more dollars, mm. or if I can only learn this one more thing, but instead it's like years of figuring out where you're aligned, what isn't aligned, mm-hmm. refining how you decide, figuring out how to say yes to the things that light you up and to say no to the things that seem shiny and new that I think, for me, I, I hardcore suffer from shiny object syndrome because like you, I'm creative. <laughs> and so like, I have a thousand great ideas. Like I love yeah. it. Somebody will steal an idea of mine. I'm like, that's fine. I have 50 more in my back pocket. <laughs> <laughs> like, but to like stay with it yeah. long enough to see the fruits of your labor. You know, like you mm-hmm. said, it's a season. Business entrepreneurship is a season. Yoga is a season. You know, like, sure, you can walk out of your first class and feel amazing, but we all know class number three. Class number three, where you go through and you're like, well, I didn't get that high this time. In (laughs) fact, my shoulder hurts. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, crap. (laughs) Like, right. Maybe this isn't what I thought it was, you know, like after shiny object syndrome has worn Mm. off, but it's like, a whole being embodied about all of this is really like encompassing years worth of work to live the life you want to live like you're doing. Yeah. 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 The whole like knight in shining armor or whatever, like, Oh, that's the thing that will save me. Um, the, the contrast of that, of like, I can only save myself, (laughs) (laughs) you know, with, with everything that's going on with my parents, um, and trying to be there to, love on them and support them, even though the the dynamics are so wildly different um, in both of those relationships for me. Um, it's like playing the long game of, yeah. you know, like ultimately right now, I don't want to be estranged from either of my parents down the road. So what can I give where I don't get so disrupted or so dysregulated that then my life is not intact. Like that I am not going to allow. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So like I'm intact, my family, my marriage, my kids, our household are all intact. And what's my boundary? What's my capacity then for dipping into that, you know, daughter, adult daughter of my now parents dealing with really turmoil Um, And I think the same is true for entrepreneurship, where, again, I kind of started defaulting to like, oh, okay, Jason's got the mortgage on auto pay for the, you know, monthly mortgage payment, or it's fine that my books are a mess, I'll just do year to date and like clean them all up, end of December, you know, which I did, (laughs) and I'm capable of and like I did monthly and quarterly records for many years before I became a mom, I know I'm capable, I know I can do it. and so it's like find, finding my way back to that um, agency or self-responsibility, that embodied part of me around money that allows me to 
move through the sticky stuckness, uh, the discomfort to recognize what's going on in my body and be able to constructively work with <laughs> what's yeah. showing up in my body. Um, so I think, you know, side note, maybe, but like the nervous system conversation, just like you said, class three of yoga, where you're like, wait, I have pain in my shoulder and I don't <laughs> feel that high after class. It's like, you know, we, I think Instagram sells us that nervous system regulation is the answer. And it's the thing right now that everyone yeah. needs. And I'm so glad that so many people are aware now of what trauma is, how trauma lives or resides and moves, fluctuates within our body, how it shows up. Um, and it's very personal and unique PS. <laughs> so <clears throat> anytime I see something that's prescriptive, whether it's business coaching or this example of nervous system and trauma, when I see that it's prescriptive of like, you know, the ad from some coach saying, forget evergreen launches, you need to do this. And I'll give you my exact formula. I'll give you my masterclass for free, do this. And you'll be a millionaire too. <laughs> Same thing with nervous system. Like, I'm sorry, it's not all roses. No. Um, a lot of what's on Instagram is incorrect, misleading, big, grand claims. Um, like the other day, I saw this one saying it takes while it takes a few weeks to heal your vagus nerve, you can feel better in as little as three days. And I'm like, cool. I know people can feel better in a single session with me, but do I mark it that way? I try not to. <laughs> and is it true to say you can heal your vagus nerve in only a few weeks? Like, sorry, we can't extract a nerve from the rest of the nervous system yeah. and say that's the key yeah. or extract the nervous system from the inner communication of all the other systems, not to mention the consciousness, the mind, the patterns of that living human having an experience. Yeah. Um, so anytime I see that kind of prescriptive quality, it's just, I just give pause. <laughs> like my system just like puts the brakes on for a moment and like, wait, where's the context? Where's the nuance? Where's the uh, individual process like we do in yoga therapy of being yeah. able to see the person and help them see themselves through the practice of yoga therapy, right? Yeah. That we are not prescribing and putting on them. You need to like rub your ear this way and do your eyes that direction for 30 seconds and you'll be healed, <laughs> right? Like yes. too reductionist. I'm sorry. Tell me what happens when you sit down to do your bookkeeping. <laughs> Tell me what happens when your spouse is unhappy with you or disappointed in something you said or did, yeah. you know, like it's behavior to me. It's, it's embodiment and behavior. Like how am I actually showing up and am I doing my best in any given moment? And within that best, there's going to be a lot of discomfort if we're actually paying attention, if we're truly being honest yeah. about um, our svadhyaya, our self-study and, and having that support and mirroring of like a, the business coach, the colleagues in the industry, getting in the room with people like Sitar um, yeah. last year, you know, after a while of not getting in the room in the flesh <laughs> with people, yeah. you know, um, it's, it still is relationship and behavior. 
It is. And I feel like the relationship part of it, like when you were talking about the nervous system, one thing that I'm, I'm always telling my clients is that we have this relationship with nervous system regulation that is so steeped in the, in the soil of shame that it just becomes like so toxic, right? Like they're quote unquote good and quote unquote bad ways to regulate your nervous system. And I'm like, look, y'all, at the end of the day, if your nervous system is dysregulated and you are struggling, do what you need to do. Have chips and scroll TikTok. I don't care. <laughs> Please. Yes. <laughs> like, like, and I've said this before, like, yes. like some of that <laughs> is this, like, I don't, like, if mm-hmm. eating a cupcake for breakfast is nervous system regulating, babe, get a cupcake. Like, if that's where you're at today, awesome. But it's so like, especially as we slide into this culture of like what Instagram tells you is quote unquote good for nervous system regulation or your business or whatever. So much of that is steeped in this idea that we're selling shame in order to make money and profit. Yeah. That that I have to believe that the more you and I talk about this, the more folks who agree with us talk about this, we can choose to be better and do better mm-hmm. for yeah. everyone else. It's like the the like the sales methodology, the marketing methodology, I feel you're speaking to is the pain point, right? Yeah, like the pain totally point marketing not. where it's like, if you know exactly the suffering, exactly the pain point that your customer wants to solve, they will pay you anything, you know? <laughs> like, yes, we want to help people get out of suffering, but are we rubbing salt in the wound and just shaming them into believing that we are the solution? Or are we helping them self-assess, self-reflect, understand themselves better, not just from the lens of their suffering, but the salutogenic approach of yoga therapy, what is possible for you? Yeah. And we hold the vision, we hold the potential of seeing how they can improve, how they can thrive, how they can take up ownership or embody who they are in their life and it's it's their process we get to facilitate that with them not so much for them um and so yeah our marketing language our sales copy ideally i think is that like tingle of like ooh, and i just i just felt it <laughs> me too, me too. <laughs> like, yeah i just felt it mm, thank you for that uh there, there's a little like root root chakra root chakra pleasure wave coming through. <laughs> totally. Like you and I have that at the same time. <laughs> yeah, it's like that, you know, like I think back to this fall when I was um writing all of the copy for Inhabit, my nine-month program Inhabit, and like how juicy it felt, how good it felt to be able to communicate finally, like out of all these years of, you know, different six-week series, different workshops, different online programs, you know, like I've, I've been around the block and done a lot of different things and a lot of different things that have funneled as well, right? Like when we start to follow a certain niche or path, um, for me, from like a curiosity and passion standpoint, that it's like, you know, what lights me up is the thing I most want to teach, And so the pelvis and pelvic health and now sexuality um, and mentoring teachers, money, you know, like, like these hot button topics that bring up so much shame or dysregulation for so many people. Like, why are they missing in yoga? (laughs) 
right? Like, like that's, you know, like that, that is a huge, these are huge aspects of what it means to be human and to be in relationship to ourselves, to each other, um, our sexuality, our livelihoods, our work in the world. Um, none of it is separate. None of it is separate from any of the rest of it. (laughs) So, yeah. So like bringing it, bringing all that together and getting clarity again, has been like this commitment to the long haul and in the short term, this trust and discernment through embodiment of this is the path I'm taking for now and we'll see where it leads. And, um, the people that celebrate and champion you along the way (laughs) are like just as important. So like some blog that I wrote for pelvic floor health, like in 2015, Laura Cooperman saw it. Um, and then I was teaching like six week series in California when we lived there, um, you know, like Franklin method, pelvic power or different pelvic floor series of classes or workshops. Um, so there was enough like drops in the bucket that then she asked me to do a webinar. It was me and Dr. Sarah Duval, um, in 2018, I think. And then there was so much interest, like thousand plus people pre-registered for this webinar um, that we did part two. Took us a year to do part two because I had a baby. I think Sarah maybe had a baby. She relocated (laughs) like, you know, life was very (laughs) lifey for the three of us that year. So it took us a year to do the next one. Um, And around that time, Claire, who now has become my editor, Claire through Singing Dragon, Um, had reached out to Laura and said, we want to grow our yoga therapy book list. Who do you recommend that could be a next author? And so there was this email introduction that just landed in my inbox unannounced, wasn't something I was like seeking out or actively trying to make happen. Um, And I just took the next step. I was like super scared. And also like, this is meant for me (laughs) because I've had book titles running around in my brain for a good decade. So like I'll just have a conversation, right? So I set a meeting, we had a conversation. We did that about twice a year through 2018, 2019. And also Shelly Prosco, I just want to shout out to Shelly of like making um, making these connections based on like mutual respect and admiration, right? Like I've loved what Shelly's been up to for many, many years. Um, had a very rough draft, first draft book proposal um, and reached out to her just before Sitar 2019. And she was gracious as she is. We sat down and had coffee and like two hours later, I'll help you. I'll mentor you. <laughs> like, love it. <laughs> you know, so with her, with her feedback and support, I revised the proposal, put it in hit send to Claire, I think like two weeks before Magnolia was born in 2019 and then got the book contract. Like I think the week of my birthday, March, 2020, when like Italy had shut down and there was no toilet paper to be found in Orange County. (laughs) Like it was like the world just flipped upside down and here's a book contract. And I for months had been like laughing, like, am I really going to write a book with a newborn and now a global pandemic? (laughs) Yes, you are. Yes, I am. Um, It ended up being such a sweet time. You know, like there was, there was a lot of sweetness with having two young girls 
tiny one bedroom apartment. Um, <clears throat> thankful for the good weather that we lived in, you know, SoCal yeah. at that time. <laughs> we could get outside a lot compared to living here now. Um, and yeah, you know, Jason and I both were intact in terms of our employment and had the the grace of being able to work from home. And I actually had more support with his work from home situation than had he, you know, been expected yeah. to show up every day still on campus. So yeah, so we never know, like those breadcrumbs of like, having an interest in the pelvis for years for my own benefit and then dabbling and teaching more and more in that topic. And you never know who's just waiting to support you. You know, like I've really had some cool experiences like that with um, supporters or, or mentors who have like championed and been alongside me for this journey. Um, it's exciting. It's cool when we get to, to be seen and like share the experience like that. So those of you who are in your twenties, who feel like it has to happen right now, listen to Sherry, <laughs> it can take a while and it mm -hmm. is your right. It's those little breadcrumbs, those little dabs in the bucket that all of a sudden come together and you've built a life. This is the life we're building. Mm -hmm. And, and I love that. So yeah. I want you and I to talk about money and orgasms in the yoga therapy space from now to forever, <laughs> forever, because it is also, these are two of my favorite discussion topics <laughs> as well. So I'm with you. And in the meantime, Sherry, tell everybody where to find you. Yes. So this is um, no longer a source of shame <laughs> that my website is broken. <laughs> oh, um, I got on there. I just had to accept the risk. Oh my goodness. Yeah. There's like three spammy error messages. Like yeah. don't, don't, don't. So embarrassing at first. Um, when I realized that <laughs> and you know, like I, oh, I don't look next to me. Um, I look at the back of my book, you know, and it's like, do you read Sherry? Go to Sherry.com. <laughs> it's like, no, don't go to. <laughs> so yes, I'm aware of lovely people who have messaged me here and there to say, do you know your website's doing this thing? Um, the best place to find me right now, honestly, is Instagram. So at Sherry Dosso, Instagram. Um, I reached out actually to two different developers this week. So I'm gradually moving towards a new website. And ultimately, it was just time for things to break and be done and like huge shedding um, over this last year of, yeah. you know, personal integration and all those familial layers and just really honoring the fact that like, cool, I'm still doing great work. My programs are better than ever. My people are happy and consistently telling me that they're satisfied with what they're receiving. My book is awesome. Doesn't matter if my website's broken and I will fix it, <laughs> right? Like as it comes time, that's part of the evolution as well, that the website will get fixed in its own time. <laughs> So go follow Sherry on Instagram and thank you so much for joining me today. This was a really fun conversation. Yes. More talk about orgasms next time. <laughs> All of the time. Yes. <laughs> thank you so much, Sherry, for coming on the podcast. I loved this conversation so much that Sherry is coming back on the podcast later this summer to talk more about self-care, consent in our yoga rooms, and how to support sexual health and pleasure in yoga and yoga therapy spaces. 
Here are our key takeaways. Being a yoga professional involves us being committed to our students, sure, but it also involves us being committed to ourselves. Self-care is critical if you are in the self-care business. Yoga professionals are both entrepreneurs and teachers. We don't have to choose to sacrifice ourselves in service of yoga, nor do we need to sacrifice yoga at the feet of business. We can be both. Growth requires discomfort. We need to be able to embrace this idea that clearing the clutter of our minds is part of our growth as a teacher, a business owner, and a human. Charge what you're worth is bad advice. You are priceless, my friend. We need to unpack the idea that our value is linked in any way to the money we have or how much we charge. Time for dollars is also bad business advice, full stop. Your price is a direct product of your experience plus the market you are currently operating in. If you are online, this formula changes a little bit, but honestly, not that much. Business coaches can be incredibly helpful. While we need to be cautious because you can be overcoached just like you can be overtrained, but having an expert who has a different perspective on your business is truly invaluable. After we are done with shiny object syndrome, then comes the work of struggling through the discomfort to find out what part of our work lights us up enough to slog through the hard stuff. There are some key aspects missing in yoga spaces, specifically real, meaningful, and non-grimy conversations about hard subjects like money and sex. Start to think about these things so that as we evolve our profession, you know your thoughts on the subject and you can contribute to the conversation. And finally, I had a lot of key takeaways today. Follow the threads. Sometimes your path forward doesn't seem clear cut, which is the disadvantage of our conversations around niching down, but our passions can sometimes arrive in unusual and unexpected ways. Now, next week, I'm offering my thoughts on our hybrid profession. There seems to be such a struggle in reconciling what is the quote-unquote best way for people to learn yoga, but hybrid and online are here to stay. Are you keeping up? Thanks for taking a break with me, and I'll see you around the water cooler next time.